And we're back to talk about God. God. That's right. It's what we do on every episode. We love doing this. This is a lot of fun. Pretty good. <laughs> Last episode was pretty good. Oh, yeah. It was really good. How are you feeling? Sorry. It's the afternoon. We're usually recording in the mornings, and I've got my coffee, and I'm more awake, but I, I'm I can't believe, I, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, you just yawned on the podcast. I think it's my first yawn in two years. You yawned. Um, should we start over? It's an afternoon episode. You got you to gotta cut me some slack here. We normally do it in the morning. And Usually in the morning, I'm awake. I've got coffee. I'm, I'm ready to go. Maybe you've had a snack. But this is the afternoon, man. Okay. We should have got you a cup of coffee. <laughs> Running out of you right in. Yeah, that's it. That's I think funny. I think the spring weather probably has something to do with it. It's nice outside. Oh, it so it's so good outside. It's it's nice and warm and thank God winter's over and spring is here and I hope we don't have like a I know we will, but I don't want us to have like a like a week where it goes back to the forties. You're, we if, will. If your mother was here, you know, your mom always says it's always going to freeze one time before Easter. It's true. It always does. Like, never plant your plants. So we're going to help you here. We're, we're going to do some agricultural advice on let's talk about God. Don't plant until after Easter, which is the first Sunday of April. If you plant before Easter, frost is coming. Yep. It'll get it. So It really is true. And every year, people do it. They they plant before Easter and then they pay the price. They plant it too soon. So my like yard, at least my backyard, is already looking a little not so great. And I'm like, do I already have to mow this? Oh yeah, yeah. Fes- fescue's growing. Fescue's growing. Well, I'm, I don't even have grass. I just have just weeds, weeds, and these little flowers that are growing up in my yard. But little yellow flowers. I think they're like purple looking or something. Oh, okay. But I know I have those too. They're going to come up. Yeah. Yeah, and you have purple flowers. Those are weeds. Yeah, I mean, so you, my yard you got a good crop rough. of weeds growing there in the backyard. My yard is just like a green with anything but grass. Got to go mow your weeds. That's why I just mow it real low. So when the podcast is over, we're going to go to Lowe's or Home Depot, and we need to buy you some some uh, weed killer and some fertilizer, and you go out there and put it on your grass, and bam, kill all the weeds, and the fescues start growing. You have to mow the grass twice a week. That sounds terrible. Well, I mean, but at least you have grass <laughs> instead of weeds. Maybe I like mowing it every two weeks and just mowing weeds. <laughs> oh, man. This is like. That's not true. I would like to have grass. I actually would like yeah, to have Yeah, little, a little effort, and you could have it kill all the weeds if you get weed killer out there. And uh, you put little pebbles out there or whatever, and it'll kill it. And then uh, fertilizer, make the grass grow. Have we not run out of time? Uh, I'm confused on how this works. Is no. that not going to kill your whole yard and you have to like restart? Um, you got fescue. I mean, you got grass out there, right? Fescue? I don't know. Well, either. you may have to put some fescue down too. My front yard's better than my backyard, but neither of them are amazing. Yeah, well, tell you what. When the podcast is over, we'll talk about this. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go to Lowe's and fix it, fix it. Got a little caster, a little seed caster, a little cart. Let's go out there and we can hit it. Knock it. Knock Sorry, it out. Talking, talking gardens like speaking in tongues to me. Oh, that's, so that's your segue. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to create for you to make your cornball segment. And that one's, I mean, you could at least said Greek to me, but no, you went all the way to speaking in tongues. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you probably figured out what we're going to talk about today. 
You, you did it. I know. Oh. I just I kept waiting. It took you a while. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was just winging. I went from grass and fertilizer to speaking in tongues. <laughs> okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Well, last episode, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we came about it from a Pentecostal, classical Pentecostal point of view. And so we told you and warned you that in this episode, we were going to talk about speaking in tongues because that is a dynamic of the Pentecostal life. It is a dynamic of being filled with the Spirit. And so, um, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today, which yeah. reminds me of a cool story. You want to hear a cool story? Go for it. So we got a man in our church. He served. He's a church leader here, and he's a good friend of mine. His name's Mark Brown. And Mark um, works for a major company in Greenville, South Carolina, and, and his work took him to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And another guy from the work, they had to go down there for several days and work. So they stayed in a hotel. I mean, it was actually a few weeks. And so while they're down there, of course, they're going to restaurants, eating together. Sunday came. Mark's used to going to church. Now, this guy, I think he went to church some. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But Mark uh, Mark told him, said, I'm going to church on Sunday. I'm a church goer. He said, you want to go with me? And he said, yeah. So Mark takes him to a Pentecostal church, a large Pentecostal church. And this guy, he has no idea, right? He's clueless. And while they're there, during the service, they had the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And somebody gave out a message in tongues. Okay, so it's in that heavenly language, he does it, and then interpret it. So I think that's what happened. At least somebody spoke in tongues. So, well, Mark's looking at this guy at the corner of his eye like, man, I wonder what he's thinking. So he didn't really do a whole lot. They left the service, service is over, and they go to lunch. And while they're sitting there, Mark looks at him and he says, hey, what'd you think about the church service? He said, it's pretty cool. He said, I liked it. He said, good. He said, "Uh, but that one part, he said, Mark said, what are you talking about? He said, uh, that guy was speaking in that language. He said, I wasn't quite sure about that. He said, it was pretty cool. But he said, might be a, must be a Cajun thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. In Louisiana, he said, must be a Cajun. Must so, be a Cajun so, so he thought it was, a, he thought it was a Cajun. So, you know, the guy was right. It's a pretty cool thing. It's different, but it's not a Cajun thing. <laughs> and so, um, speaking in tongues is, is something that's a New Testament phenomenon. And we're actually introduced to it. In the book of Acts, mm-hmm. which is the history of the early church, in chapter 2, and and Jesus had told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they are enclosed with power from on high, until they're filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with the Holy Spirit. They don't know what this is. They don't know what it entails. They go and they pray. Uh, if I do my calculations right, it's somewhere from 7 to 10 days, probably close to 7 days. They are praying day after day after day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have no idea what's going to happen. The Bible says in Acts 2, 1 and 4, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, which was a Jewish feast, and there are thousands of people who have converged on Jerusalem for this feast, right, from all over the world. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. So they're, they're in agreement. They're working together. They're praying together. Everybody's got the same goal. We got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't know what that means. Got to get baptized. With the Holy. Don't know what that's going to entail. And it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't a wind. It sounded like gale force winds, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues like fire. So it's like a giant ball of fire. It's not fire, but it looks like a ball of fire comes, and it separates into individual tongues of fire, flames of fire, and it sits upon every person on top of their head like a candle. Wow. Okay, so get this picture. And it says the next verse, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is what we talked about in the last episode. And and here's the verse. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the words to say. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we are exposed to people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ speaking in other tongues. And so, and so from that, you even have a further thing that I'm going to talk about in a little bit where they they spill out into the streets. The apostles do, the 12 apostles. They spill out into the streets and and they're speaking in tongues still and the crowd hears them and then there's a reaction to that and then God does this other supernatural thing, which I'll talk about in just a minute, where they, they start speaking from a, see, I think they were speaking in a heavenly language. Then it transferred, it changed, transitioned into the known languages of the people who were there from all over the world. Now, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, they don't know these languages. They think they're still just, they just know they're speaking in a language that they don't know. It's a supernatural experience. What they don't know is they're speaking in Egyptian and Cretan and, and all these Mesopotamia, all these different languages. They don't even know it, but the people are hearing them and understanding them. Mm-hmm. So that's the first experience of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Evan, we've got 2,000 years of evidence <laughs> of since that day. You've got Bible evidence. I haven't talked about every case. And then once you get past the Bible, you move into the second, third, fourth, fifth, up to the 21st century, there have been men and women of, of in the millions, the millions, okay, who have had an experience where they have been filled with the Holy Spirit and they have had not just a experiences, but for many of them, a lifetime experiences mm-hmm. of speaking in other tongues, of speaking in this heavenly language. Yeah, And so it's real. It's not just a Bible thing. It's real. And it's something that a lot of people get freaked out about, something a lot of people don't know about. Some people get scared. They get into a church. We have some of our listeners that maybe went to a visit a Pentecostal church and somebody spoke in tongues that freaked them out. Okay. I want to talk about it today because what I'd like to do, at least for our listeners, is by the end of this podcast, I'd like for them to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to freak out about it anymore. Mm -hmm. This is God. It's a biblical thing. It's a cool thing. I need to stop freaking about it. I need to investigate it. Yeah. It seems like, especially speaking in tongues, receives a lot of, I don't know if bashing is the right word, but probably a lot of bashing. Like, why do you think, or what is it? Like, why why, are, why does speaking in tongues receive a lot of discredit or a lot of people coming after it? A lot of disrespect. Well, th- there could be a lot of reasons. Um, on the day of Pentecost, go back to the Acts chapter 2, when, when the... The apostles came out, the twelve apostles, and they're speaking in tongues to the crowds. There's there were reactions to Pentecost. One of them was it was just curiosity. What is this? You know, what is this? Because these are a bunch of every one of these guys, except maybe one. They're all from Galilee. They're a bunch of southern boys, uh, country boys, rather speaking in tongues. They don't they don't know languages. They know Hebrew and Aramaic. That's it. How are they speaking? You know. So there's there's a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a second one, just marvel and amazement. People just amazed by it. Then it said that some mocked them. It said these guys are these are a bunch of guys. They're drunk on wine. They're just gibbering. They're just speaking gibberish like a bunch of drunk people. So you, that's kind of the reaction to people today. Some people just like, what is this? Other people are just, man, this is oh, this is awesome. You know, this is amazing. This is a God thing. It's marvelous. And then some people make fun of it and they mock it. And I think those people, because of their background, church background, because of stuff they've seen on television, 
um, things they've heard, things their pastors have preached, then they're already they have a prejudice. They have a, a they've made a prejudgment. And they have presuppositions, and that's dangerous because then they close their mind off to it and they want to attack mm-hmm. it. Uh, and what we're hoping today in the podcast is that you'll open your mind and just listen to us and say, okay, whatever I thought before, let me listen to these two guys mm-hmm. uh, that we've learned to like and listen to and have trust in, and, and let them talk to me today about this. Um, and and I, you know, I have this thing where um, I think it, I think it ought to be respected. Uh, and I talk about this in, in a book I wrote, a book, wrote a book called When the Natural Meets the Supernatural, which talks about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. And uh, I, I don't like, I've seen people make fun of speaking in tongues. I've seen people like, you know, they'll make, you know, they, they'll make gibberish sounds and, and they'll make fun and, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I just personally don't like it. I just think this is a tremendous op- communicate, communicative operation of the Holy Ghost of God. And I just don't like it. That's personally something I don't like. Um, and then I've seen people who've called it of the devil and uh, who, who've been, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell a story. Um, years ago, I think I was 12, uh, my Uncle Bob and Aunt Linda lived in Dallas, Texas. And my Uncle Bob was an accomplished musician, piano player, keyboardist, organist. He could tear him up, man. He was, it's funny because he was, he, he was formerly an FBI agent. He worked for the government. He was, <laughs> he was investigated for the government. He was a cop. That's crazy. He's a government cop, but he could tear up a keyboard and play anything mm-hmm. classical. It was just amazing. Well, F- First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, invited him to come be their guest organist that day, which is a huge honor. I mean, that's like a me- that was a mega church back in the eighties, seventies, eighties, whatever, whenever that was. So obviously, about well, we're we're all there for like Easter or whatever. We'd all come in together, and we all the, all the family. My grandparents and everybody, we decided to go to Bob and Linda's house. So we're all there. We're going to go to church there. And uh, we're all excited because the the pastor at the time, and I'm going to go ahead and say his name. I don't even say it in the book, but I'm going to say it's W. Criswell. And W. Criswell is a hero in the Southern Baptist Church. I mean, Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, mm-hmm. he was like one of his heroes and mentors and whatever. So so I'm not down on W. Criswell. Okay? Unbelievable pastor, unbelievable shepherd. Okay. But we all have our things where we don't know whatever. This was one of those days. It was so disappointing. We're excited because we're going to get to hear W.E. Criswell preach. Okay, he's dead now. He's going to be with the Lord. But it's like, man, this is going to be big. All right. And Evan, we get there, and of all the sermons he could preach, that day he preached against the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecostal. <laughs> it was a dire tra- I don't know why. Yeah. And here's my dad sitting there who's an ordained minister in the Church of God, <laughs> Pentecostal. Bob went to Lee University. Yeah. You know, he's he's a graduate of, of and we had to sit there and listen to it. And he even went so far, he and this scared me for him. He even said that speaking in tongues is so wrong and it's not real. And he said it's of the devil. Oh uh, yeah. And I'm like, you know, Doc, you didn't have to do that. You know why? Did, and we we left really disappointed. It was hurting and disappointing. But again, even the renowned W. Criswell, he didn't know. I mean, he was preaching out of whatever he thought that you know he probably just studied it enough to say it's not real. And he was preaching the the company line for a non Pentecostal denomination or whatever. So I, you know, again, I think we need to just look at it and say, what is it? Have an open mind and just say. You know, what is this? Because it is a work of God. Mm-hmm. It is a work of the third person of the God. It is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you speak in tongues, he enables you. He does it. Think about that. It's a God moment. Yeah. It's a God action. 
Okay, so it, it's holy. He's the Holy Spirit. So if you speak in tongues, it's a holy activity. It is a work of God within you that mm-hmm. is holy. I mean, I feel like I need to say this. That's good. So it helps us understand that that this is something special. Okay, so we should treat it with respect. We should treat it with with the, even if we don't understand it. You know, we should, we should treat it with respect. So let's talk about what is it. So. In my book, this is what I say, because it kind of gives a definition. You know how we do our 30-second definitions? Mm -hmm. So this would be my 30-second definition of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the God-given ability, God-given ability to speak in a distinct language unknown to you as the Holy Spirit enables and inspires you to speak. And most of the times, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, most of the times, with one exception, you speak in a language that is not of this world it is a heavenly language. That's interesting. Now break that down for us, because that's the one I think that's the biggest hurdle for most folks. Okay, so what is unique about speaking in tongues, other than this, this the fourth? We're going to talk about four purposes of tongues. So we'll get to that in a minute. You have two members of the Godhead. God is one, but He has three persona. That mystery. Hasn't we always come back to the we Trinity? Come back to every that. episode, just about. So. You have God, the the Spirit, speaking through a child of God to God the Father. I mean, and we'll get to that in a minute. So, but it's 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 a divine language. If it's God speaking through me, it's divine. Mm-hmm. Now, be honest with me. You think God speaks English, don't you? I think he speaks them all. <laughs> I think he knows all of them. <laughs> what does, I don't know. What language does God think in? I, I don't even know if God, does God transcend that? I don't even know. Well, he's communicative. We have his word. So he is a communicative God. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. So that is he, true. He had some kind of language before human language existed, before he, or before he gave humans language. Exactly, because did Adam create his language, or did God give him no, his language? God gave him his language. So if God gave him his language, God is a God of language. Yeah. Okay, so if God is a God of language, in what language does God think? His, his own language. Well, that's my, again, <laughs> that's my point. Yeah. Because we think culturally, so yeah, we think I God speaks English. Yeah. And I guess people in Central America thinks God speaks and thinks in Spanish. Okay, but is it possible that God speaks in His own language, a divine language? Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, if Jesus is the Word eternally, and a Word has always existed, we've never gone down this road, have we? Uh. Uh-uh. So this is an interesting road to go down. So He speaks. He has His language. He speaks it. We are speaking in a in another tongue, in a language, as the Spirit gives us the words to say. So, so that's what I'm saying is it is a heavenly language. Now, if this seems weird to you right now, and you're saying, okay, you guys are stretching a little bit, go to 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. A lot of people know those. Even people who are not saved know the love chapter because sometimes it gets utilized in weddings. Mm-hmm. And Paul said in the love chapter, Though I speak with the tongues, the languages of men and of what? Angels. Angels. Most most of our listeners right now could have answered, they were answering with us. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, da-da-da-da-da. Stop. 
I speak with the tongues of angels. Did you know there's an angelic tongue? It's crazy. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's different from the from the languages of men. It's the language of the spirit realm. Did you get that? Yeah. It's the language of the spirit realm, that the realm of demons and angels and God. It is the there is a la- angelic language. And it seems to be that one of the Corinthians' major problem is speaking in tongues once again without love of neighbor. So it would fit the context here. He's talking talking if, about what they're doing out if, of order and out of love. If you go to, without love. If you go me. to chapter 14, it talks about speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. The whole chapter is about speaking in tongues. They're just going. They're just getting after it without ever interpreting it and just looking crazy. Right. Trying we're, to show off. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So that's the point. I'm glad. So you you pulled it up contextually. Is that it goes together? Mm-hmm. Okay. So my point is, and I'm belaboring it. There is an angelic tongue, which is a heavenly language, mm-hmm. which is a language of the spirit realm. That doesn't even necessarily mean it's the divine language that God uses. Could be though because God communicates with angels. But there could be a divine language that God chooses. Like you said, he knows them all. I, I don't know. We're in the realm here of guessing. Yeah. All right. But there is, a, there is a tongue of angels. So my point is there is a spirit language. I can prove it. There is a, a heavenly language. It may not be a God language, but it is a heavenly language spoken in heaven by the angels. And Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of angels. So it could be that that he's even thinking of when you speak in tongues, you are speaking in a spiritual language. Yeah. Not an earthly language. It's a language, but it is not of this material earthly world. It is a language of, of the spirit realm. Okay. So that's what we're thinking about here. When we're talking about speaking in a language that is, that is given to us by God and, and that, that is not of this world. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's because incredible. Maybe there are some listeners who are bilingual. Most of us are not. Most of us butcher English pretty bad. <laughs> but but we can speak. Especially here in the South. <laughs> especially here in the South. <laughs> and we don't say pecan, we say pecan. Yeah. <laughs> and you put your head on your pillow, and you go to church on Sunday, <laughs> right? I got them all. And uh, that color right there is yellow. Yellow. So, and we play the guitar. Yeah, we do. So, okay, we but <laughs> but there is another language, and um, and so I think that's just what we ought to talk about. And let me just talk about it for a minute because you, you know people say, oh, "What happens when you speak in tongues?" Well, the Holy Spirit prompts you. Yeah. Okay. And and he says as he gives the utterance. So every time I've ever spoken in tongue, there is an initiation by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? You kind of know. I got to know. There's a prompting inside of me, okay? I, I, I don't go into a trance. People say, do you go into a trance and you lose control? You don't. You, you pray voluntarily. You can start praying in tongues when the Holy Spirit, you stop praying in tongues when you want, okay? So the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The exactly. The spirit of the person speaking in tongues is subject to the person speaking in tongues. Exactly. And so you, you're speaking in tongues, and get this, it involves your body and your spirit, which is joined with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's your body and the Spirit of God. And what I like to say, Evan, is that the Holy Spirit initiates, I cooperate. Yeah. Okay, so every time I've ever spoken in tongues. So get that in your mind. And um, it, it is a dynamic of God, and it is inherently good. In James one seventeen, James said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. So speaking in tongues is not a bad thing. 
So these people say it's of the devil. They need to stop. It, it's not. It's of God. Stop attributing what is a work of God to the devil. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that. Okay. That's again. That's close to being the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, which there's no forgiveness for. So yeah. they need to stop doing that. You, 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 you need to say, I may not understand it, but it is of God and it is good. And um, and 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 say. And by the way, this is interesting. Um, and, I, and I looked this up. This is true. Um, research, researchers from the University of Pennsylvania studied speaking in tongues. Isn't that interesting? That's crazy. They got a bunch of Pentecostal people and studied it, and they discovered it actually produced a feeling of peace and well-being in people who engaged in speaking in tongues. That's wild. And then in 2006, the New York Times reported that it, a study of Christians in England, they had the same study of those who speak in tongues. This is interesting. They are more emotionally stable than those who did not speak in tongues. It's wild. Yeah. Usually they think we're the crazy ones. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that funny? So the ones people think, you're crazy. All Pentecostals are crazy speaking in that tongues. No. Scientifically, we're more stable. That's crazy. Yep. That's real. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know there's a whole Pentecostal movement in England. I learned that recently. There's oh, yeah. a whole it's a whole deal. Oh yeah. The whole yeah. movement. A guy named Paul Scanlon, he doesn't pastor anymore, but he he pastored a big church and he, he kind of had an influence on me on some things. So that's awesome. Well, we've kind of covered we we've we've covered what it is, as in that it's a heavenly language. We know it's not like, like a trance. You're not in a seance or anything like that. But what's the point? Why why do we have this? It seems super funky, super strange. Why why would God do this? Why do people operate in this? Why would we encourage this? What's what's it all about? Okay, so that's the question that needs to be answered. And and my study of the scripture shows me that essentially there are four purposes for speaking in tongues. And and I want to talk about that for the rest of the podcast. Kind of kind of be this will be what the podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll help people two things to understand it better. And second, maybe even become comfortable enough to say, I want that to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. Okay. And again, speaking in tongues is secondary. There's ultimately something behind it. So let's talk about that. So to me, the first purpose for speaking in tongues is it is the initial evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the last episode, we talked about that. Okay. And hopefully our listeners have listened to that. Uh, and I touched on it briefly there, but there's not total agreement, okay, to be fair, among all Pentecostals. So there are some denominations, some people who will disagree with what I'm about to say. But the common belief across the board in classical Pentecostal and charismatic circles is that you will speak in a heavenly language serving as the initial but not the only evidence when you are filled with the Spirit or when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you why I think now, I don't believe it just because our denomination believes it. I, my studies bear this out. It happened on the day of Pentecost. I, I quoted 2-4, right? And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the other. And by the way, isn't it interesting that Luke said, and they began to speak with other tongues? He didn't just say, and they spoke with other tongues. He says, and they began to speak as if it is something that continued. Have you ever mm-hmm. caught that? No, I didn't ever actually never paid attention to that. Pay attention to that. And they began to speak with other tongues of speech. It was an ongoing think about that. Mm-hmm. Chew on that. If he just it was a one time event, he would have said, and they spoke with other tongues, past tense, a spirit gave the utterance. So it happened then. It happened a second time in Acts chapter four. 
uh, where where they were filled with the Spirit, which I think was a refilling. Okay, um, and so anyway, it, it happened um, in Acts chapter ten, Acts chapter nineteen. So every time somebody was filled in the Bible, you have this commentary that they spoke in tongues. There are two cases that don't say it clearly. Acts chapter eight was when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Samaria. They set Peter and John down and they laid hands on them. And the Bible says they were they received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues. However, there was a former uh, sorcerer there who was supposed to have gotten saved, Simon the sorcerer. He sees and hears something that is incredibly supernatural. That's the realm he's worked in, except it's been in the black arts. But he supposedly got saved, right? Mm-hmm. All right. He sees and hears something that is supernatural in nature. Stay with me here. And goes to Peter, pulls out his wallet, and says, I will pay you good money if you will give me the ability to do what you just did to lay hands on people. And then that kind of response and reaction takes place. And Peter chews him out. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's going to try to buy the gift of God, okay? That's where you get the term simony from, right? Yeah. Yep. Crazy, trying to buy the gifts of God. Trying to buy the gifts of God. And so, uh, and so the point is, as a theologian, you look at that and you say, if it didn't happen and there was just, they laid their hands on it and said, okay, now you have the whole, now you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on your way. That, that wouldn't have attracted Simon. That he, he's, but this is a dude who used to working with the demonic, the, the bad side, the dark side. And now he's seen the light side, you know, the force of God, if you will, using my Star, <laughs> Star Wars termination uh, terminology, the force of God. And but God is not a force. We know this. The God is not We're a force. Joking. He's a person. <laughs> but but it attracts him. See what I'm yeah. saying? So the evidence is pretty clear there, even though it doesn't stay. Plus the other situations. Now, then people bring up Paul. And they say, okay, well, Paul got saved, and it says that he was filled with the Spirit. He didn't speak it into, okay, well, you're right. If you read the story about Paul's conversion, um, and Paul scales from his eyes, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say. But read 1 Corinthians 13, 14, rather, and Paul says, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all, okay? And don't forbid speaking in tongues. And he talks about speaking, though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Paul spoke in tongues. So it's really hard to not to say that it didn't happen to Paul because Paul was a tongue talker, if there was ever one. So the evidence is there that says when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in a heavenly language. It seems to be the doorbell that God rings to say, here I am. And it's like I've said, I think I said, did I say this in the last episode, wasn't it? Or, uh, or anyway, about, about when it's a supernatural experience. Yeah, but, I, you may have touched on it. But go okay, ahead. yeah. This again, I, um, it, it was just—it's a supernatural experience. People just don't go around speaking in tongues. Yeah, and so when you speak in tongues, when you're filled with the Spirit, it, you're going to know that you know that you know that you know. I mean, the devil's going to come and say, "Yeah, you didn't get filled." With it. You can say, "You know what? You back off, Jack," because I was there, and I don't do that. That's not the kind of thing I just do every day. I don't ever do it. It was God, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm empowered with the Holy Spirit, and so it's 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 His way of of letting us um, uh, have the assurance that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I, that's one reason why I think we do it. I think the second reason is 
When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you enter the realm of the supernatural. Okay, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, the anointing. If I'm going to operate in the supernatural, Evan, why why would I be shocked that my orientation or my initiation wouldn't be supernatural? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, why would I be shocked that I'm going to speak in a language, a heavenly language, and then turn around after that because now I'm anointed and I'm filled with power that I'm going to have a gift, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, and I'm going to have faith, for, and I'm going to have operate in a miracle, get, do a miracle in somebody's life. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And lay hands on somebody, they get healed. Well, those are supernatural things. Why Why would I be shocked that if I'm going to live a life now in the supernatural power of God, I don't start with something that's supernatural? Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't have a problem with it. As a matter of fact, I think I think that that it's what's supposed to happen. Um, now, one of the things I found out is that so many people that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is where they get a hang-up. They get a hang-up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you struggle with it, but but you know, this like, oh, I want to be filled with the Spirit, man. You got this speaking in tongues thing. I don't know. I don't want to know if I'm speaking in tongues. I don't know about speaking in tongues. I, you know, I heard when I was growing up speaking in tongues. You know, and they they start they they never get filled with the Holy Spirit because they're they're worried about speaking in tongues. And what I try to do as a pastor is say, stop worrying about speaking in tongues, okay? And and how I get people to do that is, it's just a language, okay. Now, most students today, this has been this way for a long, long time. You go to high school, you have to take a foreign language. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yep. You had to take Spanish. Yeah, for okay. years. I took French for two and a half years in middle school, and then I took Spanish for two years in, in high school. So, and, and a lot of times you go to college, you have to take it. You have to take it. So I took two Latin languages, Latin-based languages. French and, and, and Spanish, which messes me up because then I get the words confused. And so I know some Spanish. You and I have been to Honduras and Guatemala. We've traveled. You've been to Panama. So I don't like the language barrier. So I've learned some Spanish enough to somehow get me by. I'm not, it's not much, but I know. And, and, and I was in a class with a teacher. Here's how it worked. Kind of like this. The teacher would say, all right, repeat after me. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And then you would have to say whatever she said. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take it and go really step further. So you're you're six months into this class in high school, and the teacher says, all right, repeat after me. El hombre está sentado en la silla. And you would say, and so other people say, el hombre está sentado en la silla. <laughs> That's how we sound on Southerners when we do it. Okay. But you're saying the man is sitting in the chair. El hombre está sentado en la silla. You like my radio voice there That's with good. my little, That's little good. people in Central America like say, Pastor, you got that pastor, you have that little, uh, you, you sound like us. So, okay. If the teacher says to say that and you repeat her, you are speaking in another tongue as the teacher gives you the utterance. It's true. And so I try to tell people, just look at it that way. If you could yield to a Spanish teacher, just yield to God and say, okay, I can speak in Spanish, I can speak in French, I can speak in German, Jap, whatever it is language you say, if I can do that, then I'll just yield to God. And as the Holy Spirit tells me to speak these words, that I, do you know what el hombre está sentado en la silla means? A lot of times you don't even know what you're saying, Right. 
teacher's trying to teach you what these mm-hmm. words mean. Same thing with the Holy Spirit is you don't know what you're saying, but you trust God and you let him tell you and you open your mouth and you just, he prompts you and then you say these words and you begin to speak. And, and that's why I tell people, stop making it a big deal. If you can speak Spanish in a class, you can speak in, in another language. Don't make it a big deal. Yeah. You know? And stop worrying about it. The main thing is not speaking in tongues. The main thing is getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, if if that's kind of your initiation, what's the point of it afterwards? So obviously, Paul encourages the Corinthians to continue speaking in tongues. So it serves a function beyond just you know initial evidence or getting you in the door. Why should you continue to speak in tongues? So there, these are the remaining three, and and I'll try to be a little. I'll try to hit these, but again, they're pretty extensive. So I'll, the second one p- purpose is that. Speaking in tongues, once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it can serve as a prayer language. Now, let me read you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. And 1 Corinthians 14 is where we learn the most about speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. 14, 2, Paul discloses, and he says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, what's the simplest definition of prayer? Just just talking to God. Talking to God, speaking to God. That's what he just said. When you speak in a tongue in certain situations, and he's talking about certain situations, you're speaking to God. It's prayer. See? So we're not making up, you know, if you've ever heard people say my prayer language, Mm -hmm. I pray in my prayer language, you know. Well, they're actually right. And if you go to Jude 20, Jude said, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, Paul explains spiritual warfare requires the believer, and I quote, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So praying in tongues is a kind of a communication between uh, 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 that involves one person that God had speaking to another person. I referred to this earlier. So that's why I wanted to, to get to this, through you. So God the Holy Spirit is speaking to God the Father through you. You are praying, but you don't understand what you're praying. It's a mystery. And yet God says that when you do that, Evan, it will edify you. And edify means to build up and to strengthen you, mm-hmm. okay? So the way that I explain this, because you know, people say, well, then why can't I just pray in English? Why does it matter that I pray in tongues, right? Like, what's the point? You're still not telling me the point. Okay, so there is a movie that I've watched before that kind of helps me explain this. In World War II, there were, the, the Japanese kept breaking the codes between the Navy and the Marines and all. So they always knew what was happening. So the Navy brought in and the Marines brought in the Navajo Indians. And the Navajo language is so complex that it's like a code. It can't be broken. So they would bring the Navajo Indians in and bring them in on the radios. And they would sit on the radios on the ship they would be the guys with the radios in the field, and they would translate the one. Like if you wanted to, if you were in the field and you needed artillery from the ships to fire on an, on an artillery position, the Japanese, then they would radio it in. Mm-hmm. Well, the the Navajos would be talking to each other, and the Japanese would hear it. They, they didn't understand what they were saying. And in the movie was Wind Talkers, starring mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage. Okay, and so it's a really cool movie, and uh, and and so it was a. Which is cool, isn't it? Wind talker. Oh, here we go. Because in the <laughs> in, in the Greek, pneuma is wind or breath or spirit, 
And, you know, the, the day of Pentecost, it sounds like a rushing mighty wind. So isn't that great? That's, that's wind, good, yeah. a wind talker. I, I think that's pretty cool. We're not talking about speaking in tongues. And so uh, when you, and so that, that was, a, now, here's the point. The enemy couldn't understand it. Do you think the devil knows English? Yes. Spanish. Yes. French. Yep. German. Yep. Swahili. Mm-hmm. Japanese. Yeah. Chinese. Yes. Okay. All the Indian dialects in India. Yeah. Just keep going to Russian. Yep. Okay. The point is, I would say the devil knows every language. But there's, and so when you're praying, he understands what you're praying. You don't want the devil to know your weaknesses. You don't want the devil, because he could take advantage of you. So there are times when the Holy Spirit prays through us. And, and, and the Bible talks about this. You know, you pray in in, in language in a, in a, in a it's Romans eight twenty six. The likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we should or ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. That's a form of prayer. Mm-hmm. So that's praying in the that's spiritual praying. Praying in the Spirit makes intercession for us. This is cool with groanings which cannot be uttered. Which means we're we're making sounds that that cannot be uttered in English or our language. Back then would have been Hebrew, Aramaic. For us, it would be English. It is groanings which cannot be uttered. We can't say it out loud. The Holy Spirit says it out loud through us in in a heavenly language, in a divine language. And so, what you have is you have the Holy Spirit with a coded language to God the Father, interceding, praying for you, and the devil doesn't know what he's saying. But what happens is God releases strength and help into your life. And that's why it says it edifies you. This is the part that some people can't handle. Because if you're really rational-minded, you're going right now like, I still can't see it. I still can't see it. Well, here's the point. You pray in that heavenly language. God does something. I've had it happen to me so many times in my life. I've, I've prayed in tongues, Evan. I've prayed in that devotion. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I said, but I got up and I had this peace, this strength, this calm. A lot of times it happens when I'm in turmoil, they're facing a trial or difficulty or something. I have this strength. I have this sense of God's in control. God's got this. Whatever I worried about before, it's going to be all right. It's incredible. And God does. He takes care of it. It is a supernatural way of God letting me know, strengthening me, knowing whatever you're going through, I've got this. And I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of the enemy. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of this trial. And the enemy doesn't know what I'm praying. That's good. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think it's, I think part of it too is it's, it's God praying. And, uh, I mean, how could that prayer not be perfect? (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit praying for exactly what you need in that moment. Where oftentimes we pray for things we don't need or prayers that may be tainted or maybe selfish or, you know, or we just don't know what to say. And when God's praying for you, it's absolutely perfect, exactly what you need. I wish you would have said that to me when I wrote this book. I wish we'd have had that. Re- I think that is awesome, <laughs> that it is the perfect prayer. Yeah. I mean, you ever prayed, you felt like, I'm just, I don't know if I'm getting this prayer through. I feel like I'm struggling praying here. And then the Holy Spirit prays through you. You don't have that feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. That That's part of it is that was the perfect prayer. God, the Spirit just said perfectly what needs to be said for me. That's right. To handle my situation. That's right. So that's that's one of the things, and 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 that's you say, what is that? Okay, so that can happen 
in your private time, like in my prayer time, I'm praying in English, I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, and then all of a sudden the Spirit will move on me, and I'll stop praying in English, and I'll start praying in that heavenly language. It'll happen sometimes after I'm preaching, or even when I'm preaching. There's a praise element to it, by the way, and I, I can't get into all this today, but there is actually a praise, there's a thanksgiving. Paul talks about you may give thanks well enough. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's actually a praise element. Because, you know, when you pray, you praise. So there is a praising that goes on to God through speaking. into. So it's not only the perfect prayer, it's the perfect praise. That's good. Isn't that cool? It's really good. So it's the perfect praise offered up to God. And um, and and so you may be in church, a Pentecostal church, and everybody's praying at the same time or they've just finished a song and God's moving and somebody next to you in their own, you know, their own little bubble, they're not interrupting anything. Everybody's kind of praising and praying and clapping. They may start speaking in tongues. That's the prayer language. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and it doesn't interrupt the service. It doesn't do anything. They just, they have that moment or they may be in the altar praying and they're praying in English and all of a sudden they start praying in, in, in tongues. That's, that's that prayer language. God says, you know what? Let me pray a while. And 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 do this work in your life. The third, so that's the the third one, is the gift of tongues, and this is the one that a lot of people know about because if they've ever visited a Pentecostal church and it happened, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Where the preacher's preaching or the singer's singing or it's in between something, and all of a sudden somebody really loud gives out this. They speak in tongues really loud. Okay, and everything stops, and it just makes that. Sometimes I make the hair in the back of your neck step up, stand up, and then and then sometimes uh, somebody might then speak. That person or somebody else will start speaking out loud, but in English, in this like really forceful message. Okay, and and so if you've ever had that happen, then you know what I'm talking about. That's that's the gift of tongues, and and this is one of. Let me explain it. This is one of the nine gifts of the spirit. Okay. And and it's also called it's and you can actually break the the nine gifts of the spirit into three groups and this is the one of the communicative or revelatory gifts so the gift of tongues gift of interpretation and prophecy mm-hmm. all fall under here okay and um, again again tongues are spoken aloud in a public gathering of worship and then interpreted aloud through the gift of interpretation and Paul gives some directions about these Paul says that the individual who gives the message in tongues okay should start praying and say now. Lord, please give me the interpretation. Because if you have a message in tongues that happens in church and there's no interpretation, it doesn't do a bit of good. Yeah, Nobody knows what it means. And people who are visiting the church are going to be freaked out, and some people are going to think, y'all crazy. So you should always have the gift of interpretation with the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. All right. And then Paul says that in that service, two or at the most three two at the most three people are permitted to give a message in tongues. Okay. And it must always be interpreted. Each of them can take turns interpreting them. Okay. So, and isn't interesting that it's two at the most three. In other words, what I like to say is the spirit can say what he wants to say to the church through a limited number of speakers. Yeah. So you don't have to have 12 people speaking in tongues and giving interpretations And, and, and you shouldn't allow it. The pastor shouldn't allow it. Okay. Now, if there's a message in tongues at that point in the service, but then the service goes on, then there's another message in tongues. Okay. Then, then that's cool. But like back to back to back to back to back, 
two at the most three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once you hit three, number four, you got to say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're out of line. Yeah. Okay. At this point, that's not God because mm-hmm. we know that's that's not. And um, and so that could happen. Um, let me say this. Messages in tongues are interpreted, not translated. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. It's the gift of interpretation, not translation. So it's an it's a spiritual interpretation. So when when if I give out a message in tongues in church, then immediately if I start praying the interpretation and God gives me that interpretation, it is a message now that I feel so strong, as strongly as I felt the need to speak in tongues out loud, I now feel this strong. It's almost irresistible. It is resistible because the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to say it right then. You can wait for a pause, but you will have, it's like a, my college professor told me in Bible college, he said, it's like, what's that guys are old faithful. Yeah. It, like it, and then it just, he said, that's what it feels like when you have a message in tongues or interpretation. He said, it is so strong that you just like, I've got to say this. And I've had that happen to me many times. And so, uh, but it's in, that's why if you, you could be in a Pentecostal church and the and the the message in tongues could be two minutes long, and then the that same person or somebody else interprets it and it's thirty seconds long because it's not a word for word translation; it's an interpretation. Exactly, and, and vice versa. You could have somebody give out a message in tongues that's thirty seconds long, and then they or somebody else interprets it and it goes on for two minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, but it doesn't mean that somebody they're right or wrong, or you know, well, that doesn't match up. It's not a translation; it's interpretation. So, what I like to say is, the Holy Spirit is not so much concerned with the construct of the message as He is with the content of the message. That's good. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Okay, and I think that's where Paul gets gets at too. It's for the building up of the body. It is for the edification, right? It's for the building up. It's not just some random message, but it's an act of love. And that's kind of what he's getting at in the Corinthians passages. Yes. This is supposed to be for building up the body. And if you just make this selfish, you're doing this wrongly. Exactly. And it does. It should it should exhort and, and equip and edify and encourage the body. Have you ever heard anybody say, um, well, we don't like speaking in tongues and all because we should prophesy. Paul said that prophecy is better than tongues. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not true. Paul Paul said that he preferred prophecy because it's spoken in the language that is known to the congregation. Yeah. But he never said that you should have prophecy and no tongues interpretation. He, quite to the contrary. He said, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So he just made clear that if you are going to have a message in tongues and the interpretation, make, make sure you have the interpretation because it is equivalent to prophecy. Yeah. Okay, because prophecy should encourage and equip and edify the saints, um, and and instead, um, or, or equip the saints or edify the saints, not instead, but be just like yeah. prophecy. Okay, sorry, I got distracted for a minute. Um, um, and so you know, that's not a that's not a valid argument. Okay, um, and 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 again, they serve two purposes: they encourage and improve and instruct the people of God. Um, and the second is, here's the second one. This is really important. It's assigned unbelievers. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you like anecdotal evidence. I have had sinners sit in my services, our services, okay? I say my service because I'm preaching, whatever. Just preacher, preacher talk there, sorry. And uh, we, the singing's been awesome. 
anointed, the gospel's been presented, sinner just sits there. I get up preaching under the anointing. I mean, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching, just sit and just sit there, unaffected. And then you let somebody, all of a sudden, some little old lady, some guy cuts loose with a message in tongue, loud, this unknown divine language. I've seen that sinner come up off his seat, on the edge of his seat. His eyes get as big as silver dollars. He's looking around like, what in the world is going well, Paul said this that the tongues and interpretation are a sign to the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. If I want to find a McDonald's on the interstate, I look for the golden arches. If I need gas for my truck, I look for a sign that says, here's a shell station, a BP station, et cetera, you know, pilot, whatever. There's signs that tell me what I'm looking for. Okay. The the, the speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. What's the sign? that God is in this place and that God is speaking to you. You're ignoring the message of the singing. You're ignoring the message of my preacher. So God said, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you directly, big boy, because you, you need to hear from me. Mm-hmm. And God was, well, it's a sign. It gets his, because what does a sign do? A sign, what does a sign do? A sign gets your attention. Yeah. Isn't that the point of a sign? Mm-hmm. Okay, we got a church sign out here. The point is we want to get your attention. This is high praises church. So it gets your attention. And then the message, the gift of interpretation is something he can understand. I've heard gifts, I've heard messages of interpretation that were actually like gospel appeals. You know, today, and so I'm just going to like, today is the day that I have called you. Mm-hmm. Stop running. Today is the day. And this person has no idea who's doing it. They're just speaking what the Lord is giving them supernaturally. They don't have no, they don't have any idea. Today, today is the day I've called you. Come to me. Give your life to me today. Stop running from me. And it's, well, God is, that 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 whole situation is for one person sitting back there in the back row. Yeah, is that cool or what? Yeah, that's crazy. That God would go to those lengths. So yeah, and this is what bugs me, Evan, is because we have we have Pentecostal pastors and they're building their churches and their churches are getting big. And one of the things they say is we're not having any of that. They, they tell me we're not having any of that. I say you're not. No, no, we're not having message in tongues interpretation. Not doing that. Why not? Scare the visitors away. They don't understand that. That's that's out there. We're not doing that. We're trying to build a church, trying to win them for Jesus. That'll that'll keep them from getting saved. That's what they say. And I just look at them. I'm like, come on, are you serious? And you can't talk to them. Yeah. Some of them you can't talk to. And they're like, you just, and I'm like, you know, I want to just, dude, what do you think the whole purpose of message and tongues interpretation is? It's a sign. You need it. You want those people to get saved? But, but Evan, and I'm going to be kind of bold here. They think they're so good. They do. They think they are so talented and they are so good and they're such great speakers that if they can just get up and preach, oh, people come running to the altar. <laughs> they do. I've talked to them. They don't say it, but I mean, I know because everything else they say, we do it so good here, we, we can do it. And I'm thinking, first of all, you're singing and preaching doesn't win anybody Jesus, God, unless God uses it. Yeah. But why would you want to cut out a work of God that is specifically designed. And that's why I'm not against that kind of thing. I actually pray for it in our church service. Mm-hmm. And I don't forget. Now, I explain it. And I think one of the things we don't do, we ought to explain it. And every time there is a gift of the Spirit, particularly a revelatory gift, prophecy, message, when it finishes, I tell the congregation, you've heard me do it. Mm-hmm. I say, all right, let me explain what just happened. 
If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, this is called the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. And God has just spoken to us a supernatural. And I explained, and I've had people time and again tell me, man, Pastor, when you, I didn't understand it. You, like new people, it freaked me out. And then you explained it, and that made it okay. And, and then God can use it um, to reach them. You, you know, there's a common problem uh, that happened. It happened in the Corinthian church, and, and it happens today. And I think this is a teaching thing. This is just where we've got to teach is that sometimes I've been in churches, Pentecostal churches where somebody had the prayer language. Okay. And God is praying through them in tongues in a service and they just get emotional and they get excited and they get loud and they get louder and they get louder. Well, because they get loud, then the pastor stops the music. Everybody thinks oh, it must be a message in tongues. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, it's a prayer language. And when they finish, we're ready to hear the interpretation. The problem is there is no interpretation. I mean, I've had that happen. I've been in services where it's happened. So now it's confusing. And it is the pastor's job to be able to say, even in that moment, we thank God for what he's doing in this place and how he touched our brother or our sister who just, but you know, obviously here's the thing. God was praying through them. I want you to understand that was not a message in tongues. I don't want anybody to be confused. There's not going to be interpretation. God was just praying through that person. We need them to just, if you would, keep on praying, but pray silently. If you mm-hmm. could just be quiet, we're going to keep going with this service. And you have to train people. I mean, sometimes you may have to even go to that person and talk to them and say, look, we need to talk about this. And you need, I want you to operate in the gifts, but you got to learn the difference. You got to learn, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't just get loud. You know, it has to be like, you know that you know that God, this is so strong. I have to not getting loud. Yeah, yeah having to do something because you feel the prompt of the spirit and just getting loud is two different things. Yeah, and if we don't teach people, they don't know. You know, they just they don't understand it. Yeah, um, and that's why Paul told him. He said, "Pray quietly to yourself and to God." So he he didn't tell him to quit speaking in tongues. He said, "Just be quiet. Get back in your little bubble there and pray mm-hmm. in tongues and keep praying to the Lord and the Holy Ghost, but get make it a prayer language and don't interrupt." seems like that kind of situation is what maybe scares most people away is most people aren't necessarily scared of the the gift they're scared of the abuse of the gift so they're scared of the person getting loud or they're scared of the church getting wild and and actually out of hand they're scared of the disorder so rather than pastoral care and maybe some instances of failure they'd rather just cut it off than value the gift that maybe comes with some learning. Yeah, and even with, like I said, with new people, how don't you, why don't you teach on it? Mm-hmm. Instead of cutting it off, teach on it. You know, help, help, help people to understand this is who we are. Yeah. And you know, at High Praises, we're unapologetically, we've said this time and again on this podcast, we're unapologet, unapologetically Pentecostal. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses for that. And uh, But at the same time, it's my job not to make sure there's not fanaticism or people don't get out of hand. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had services where two people started giving, we had a message in tongues, and then two people started giving the interpretation at the same time. Well, that's confusing. You got two people trying to combat each other. I stopped them. I got the microphone, see, so I'm louder. And I just say, stop, 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 stop. I did this. I said, stop, stop, stop. Both of you stop. And I knew them. I said, okay, Joe, you go first. Well, if you really have a message from the Lord, that shouldn't stop you. You should be able to say, thus says the Lord, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And when that person finished, I said, okay, Mary. If you still have a message from the Lord, you share. Well, that they gave their message. Well, see, I, that I didn't quench the spirit. I didn't do anything wrong. I did what was right. I kept 
Because the Bible, Paul, Paul went in the same First Corinthians fourteen. All things should be done in decency and in order. Mm-hmm. And so you have to make sure if something gets out of order, it's your job as the leader. And again, it, the easiest thing to do is just say, "We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're cutting this off. We're not doing this." Y'all yeah. want to do that? Do it in your life groups. That's the easy. That's the easy way out. But the hard part is let's let's open our services to it. But we got to get ready for what may go with it. What if it gets wild in your life group and you don't have a properly trained leader to be able to deal with that? <laughs> I've never heard of it happen. Never heard of it happening. But I mean, uh, usually at that point, some member is going to tell the pastor, and then that's the pastor's job to talk to the life group leader, and then maybe yeah, come to the life group up. and say, "Hey, let's talk about this." Yeah. But again, we should be teaching about. I, I, I think I said in the last episode that we Pentecostals have been heavy on experience and light on teaching. Mm-hmm. And we need to balance it. We need to talk about it. We, that's why I'm glad we're doing this podcast today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it was you know you and I were talking about. It. I said let's do let's do this because it's it's kind of my thing. This is what I like to do mm-hmm. um, uh, because I believe in the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in other tongues and the baptism of the Holy. I, I want I pray for it for my church. So all right, so I mentioned three. We'll we'll close with the last one. The mm-hmm. last one's kind of fascinating. Um, the last purpose of tongues, and this happened on the day of Pentecost. And it's it's rare, but it happens. Is that it serves uh, as a foreign language? So when this occurs, you speak in a contemporary language of which you have no previous knowledge of. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you think you're speaking in the heavenly language. Does that make sense? You're, you're speaking in tongues, but what you don't know is God changes it, and yeah. you start speaking in a known language. It, you, you just don't know. So it could be Spanish, could be Greek, could be German. Got me. And uh, and this happened on the day of Pentecost. I, I I believe with all my heart, as I study the scriptures, that they spoke in a heavenly language and were filled with the Spirit. But then Peter and James and John and the rest of the apostles spilled out of the out of the upper room and went out into the street where there were thousands upon thousands of people. They hear this and they gathered like, "What is this?" Yeah. And they are speaking. Peter, Peter, James, John. They're speaking. They think still in a heavenly language, but God changes their their tongues into now known language. So they're speaking Mesopotamian, Egyptian, Creek, whatever. And the people hear it. Mm-hmm. And they say, how is it that we hear them in our own languages speaking of the wonderful works of God? And so God was speaking that. And it opened the door. Again, it got their attention, opened the door, but then Peter could begin to speak because the common language of the day was Aramaic. Mm-hmm. So he speaks in Aramaic, which everybody understood. And, they, and he, he preaches the gospel. Isn't that cool? So again, speaking in tongues, the very first evangelistic move of the church involved speaking in other tongues. I think it would make sense. I mean, you tell me if this is how it poured out. If they were all played out, if they were all kind of clumped together, if they were all speaking individual languages, wouldn't it become a jumbled mess of 70 or something folks just sort of shouting over each other? But if they're if everyone is hearing them in their own language, it would become a unified message. Does, does that make sense? Yes. If yeah. it changes depending on the hearer, then I'm not having to hear, you know, whatever Latin over the twelve other languages. I'm just hearing mine. And and, and I don't know. I mean, because we don't have that detail. But it's fun just to go get your imagination. Is is Peter speaking in Egyptian and and John speaking in Mesopotamian and 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 uh, uh, Bartholomew speaking in Greek? And they're just all. And it just happens to be. It's all distinct. It's not a jumbled mess. I don't know, but I mean, they spread out in the crowd, you know, where they're not fighting each other. I, I don't know how, but it worked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Somehow it worked. 
And so then it opened up the door for uh, uh, evangelism. Um, and, and how I know, by the way, that it's the 12, because they said, are not all these men speaking to us Galileans? Yeah. And I don't know if your, our listeners know this, but out of the 12 disciples of Jesus, Judas Iscariot was the only one from Judea. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. The other 11 were from Galilee. Hmm. Every one of them were Galileans. Hmm. So Judas Iscariot, of course, had uh, uh, got a leg cramp. Well, that grabbed me real quick. <laughs> That'll make you stop what you're doing. Uh, Judas Iscariot had hanged himself. And so they had got another guy. Uh-huh. And he was from Galilee. Was it Matthias, right? Yeah. And so they said, are not all these men who are speaking yet? Well, we know Mary was there, and we knew there were 120 other. So it it was... And then it says, then Peter and the other 11 spoke and said, these, you know, because they said, there's, these men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing as but the ninth hour, but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel, that in the last days, said the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So that's how we know. It's just kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The other 108, there's 120, 108, they're still speaking in tongues with the prayer language, but the 12 come out. And they start speaking to the crowd. The mm-hmm. preachers get out there and start preaching to the crowd. And that's and that day, three three thousand souls were saved. And this has happened. This this phenomena, this purpose of tongues, has happened like on the mission field. But it's happened in America. I, uh, Steve Brock. Okay, whatever you think of Benny Hinn, that's not the point. Okay, not, I don't know what Benny's doing now, but you know Benny did these crusades all over the world. Steve Brock was the guy that sang really great. And Steve's one of us. He's a church of God guy. And Steve can sing, he's a preacher and he he preaches his own revivals and stuff. But he got connected with Benny and sang all over the world, you know. Um and anyway, so I've known Steve. Steve's known me probably since I was a baby, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh Steve came to preach at Praise Cathedral and so he and I were talking and I and I said, "Look, I want to talk to you. I said, you and me, one-on-one. I want to know about Benny Hinn. So he was telling me about Benny Hinn, whatever. But uh, so, so it's just a guy I've known personally. Steve was preaching at our church there in Praise Cathedral. And he tells the story. So, so I have a lot of confidence in, in Steve. Uh, this is a man of God. I know him well. Steve said he was preaching in a church. And uh, well, he said, why do we preaching? You know, which happens to Pentecostal preachers. He started preaching, speaking in tongues. That you just kind of—I call it like a prayer. Like I think it's a praise moment, okay. And he's speaking in tongues, and uh, then he just keeps on going. He's preaching whatever. <clears throat> After church, he said this big old burly guy puts him in a bear hug, lifts him off the ground, and says, "Oh, my Greek brother!" <laughs> and he's holding him up there, and he's shaking. And he, Steve said, "Put me down." He said, "No." He said. I'm from Greece too. You're from Greece. He said, I'm not from Greece. I'm from South Georgia. <laughs> he said, who are, what are you talking about? He said, no. He said, tonight while you were preaching, he said, you spoke Greek. He said, you were praising the Lord and preaching in Greek. And Steve said, what are you talking about? And he, Steve said, then it hit me that in that time when I was speaking in, in tongues, he said, I was speaking in modern, not ancient Greek, modern Greek. That's crazy. And, and that, that guy, guy could hear and that. And that guy could hear it. Uh, I, 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 there is a story in an, an Assembly of God church. Now, these are true stories. An Assembly of God church where a guy came in who was a Jew. And he was a, I think he was a professor, it was a rabbi and a professor of Hebrew or something. I mean, this guy. And uh, he's in, the, somebody invited him to that service. And he didn't want to come, but he came. All right, they invited him. So he comes to the Pentecost service. And this this woman, I think it was a woman, speaks in tongues, okay? And the long short of it is, that guy goes to the altar, this Jewish rabbi, and gets saved and accepts Jesus Christ as his Messiah and Savior. 
which is huge. Mm-hmm. And then he says, where is that woman who spoke tonight in perfect Hebrew? And they wow. said, who are you talking about? And they pointed her out and they, they said, they brought, he said, lady, sister, you know, whatever. He said, do you know Hebrew? And she said, pastor, she hung her head. She said, you know, I don't know Hebrew. She said, I, I, I didn't even finish school. And wow. that rabbi looks at her and said, tonight you, and he, she, God spoke through her. And so what, what she said was like, I don't remember what it was, but it was like directly to this rabbi. Like it was stuff that he understood that was God was speaking to him saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. And you, you need to believe in me and put aside your doubt. And God spoke through that woman. She has no idea. She thinks she's speaking in a heavenly language. It turns to Hebrew. Wow. And that guy got saved that night. That is crazy. Uh, there's a there was a missionary, which is this is really odd, but he went to Japan, and he just happens to be, uh, and there's probably not a lot of these. He happens to be in a Pentecostal church in Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, which that in itself would have been unique. And uh, he's there that night as a guest speaker. You, know, you and I have preached overseas, and um, and he's there that night, and he preaches his message and then gives an altar call and all these people came to the altar and you know we Pentecostals have very lively altars and people are praying and the Holy Spirit's moving and as he's praying for people and you and I've been overseas many times Evan so we identify with this we're you know anybody speaks English you gravitate to them right Mm -hmm. it's like oh here's somebody I can actually talk to there's a Japanese woman in the altar her hands up eyes closed and she is praising God in perfect English well he marks her he just notes her and says, I'm going to talk to her after church, somebody who knows English. So the service ends, and he goes to this woman and gets her and starts talking to her, and she cannot talk back to him. All she knows is <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> and he gets his translator and says, come here. He said, tell her to talk to me in English. And she talks to him back in Japanese, and he looks and he says, she says she doesn't know in English. And he said, tell her she was speaking in English in the altars. I heard her. And she responded back through the translator and said, no, I was speaking in tongues. That's crazy. So it flipped. Yeah. The American had a Japanese woman who thought she was speaking in tongues. Well, she was. God changed it to English. And he, and he glorified, showed his glory that night. That, that, that preacher said, man, I am now knowing that. And you know, he told the story that mm-hmm. there is a God. Let me tell you this story. There is a God who does supernatural things. Yeah. And just the supernaturality of that is just enough to just say, wow, God is incredible. Yeah. God's unbelievable. The so faith builder. So those are kind of the four purposes of the tongues. And again, they all serve a greater purpose. People get hung up on tongues. Just stop getting hung up on the tongues. There's a purpose behind the tongues. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Take your prayer life deeper. Be a vessel that God can use to edify the church and give a word that equips the church. Even be well ready that God might even use you to speak in a language you never learned. You just don't ever know. Yeah. So I'm gonna. It's okay. I'm gonna finish the podcast with one last story. Yeah. Okay. We good. So Kevin and Renee Summit are some of our best friends in the world. We all went to college together, and your college friends are your best friends. They're friends for life. And Kevin's Kevin's family. Actually, has they've been friends with my, my dad's family, the Sestars, for years. Uh, Kevin's uncle was my dad's best friend, Gary. Mm-hmm. And so Gary's sister is Kevin's mom. Okay, so dad was at Gary's house and his, his, his Kevin's mom's house. He grew up and went over there, you know, at their house. So uh, 
that's how far back we go. So Kevin had a grandmother. Actually, it was his great-grandmother. His great-grandmother. And they, they called her uh, Grandma Butler. Okay. Grandma Butler was deaf and, and mute. So she couldn't hear and she couldn't speak. All she could do was grunt. She learned sign language. She went to my, to, to my grandfather, my Papal Sistar's church, your great-grandfather, H.D. Sistar, went to his church. She, he was her pastor, okay? During the service, Kevin's mom would do sign language to, uh, or her daughter, be Kevin's grandmother, would do sign language to Grandma Butler, which mm-hmm. was his great-grandmother, to, and translate the, the, the sermon while Papal's preaching. One night, Papal Sistar, your great-grandfather, my grandfather, preaches on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, he, he's preaching, and, and, and so Kevin's grandmother is explaining the message to her in sign language. This is a true story. And while she's explaining how you can be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues, my Papal's preaching, the Holy Ghost comes on Grandma Butler, Evan, and a woman who is, cannot hear and cannot speak starts speaking in other tongues. That's crazy. Is that crazy or what? And that's wild. She's speaking in other tongues. She can't do anything but grunt, and she's speaking in other tongues. And God, whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I don't know if y'all feel it on the podcast. Look at the hairs <laughs> of my arms standing that's up on awesome. edge. And Grandma Butler speaking in tongues, and everybody there sees it. They hear it. I mean, it's unbelievable. And God fills Grandma Butler with the Holy Ghost. She's baptized with the Holy Ghost and has that initial. After that, Every time the Holy Spirit she couldn't do anything but grunt and have to talk in sign language, but any time the Holy Spirit would come on her in power, Grandma Butler would start speaking in tongues. That's crazy. Which is now her prayer language. Mm-hmm. And she can pray in tongues, Evan, but she cannot pray in English. And when it stopped, she, it went back, because she's deaf the whole time, it went back to she's mute and she can't speak. That's wild. And that is the great-grandmother that my dad knew these people. My dad knew them. My grandfather pastored them. That is a true story. That's not a made-up story. That really happened. And, and, and of course, every time God is glorified. So look, speaking in tongues is real. It's in the Bible. It's a gift of God. It has purpose. And instead of avoiding it or ignoring it or writing it off, we're children of God, and it's a good gift. We need, we need to just say, God, okay, I'm a candidate. Man, I know what's happening here. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. your life will be revolutionized that's good yeah well look if you enjoyed today's episode like review share it send it to somebody who needs it thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you back in a couple of weeks <laughs>